Welcome back to System in Australia, the podcast where sometimes people go missing. This is Brent. I'm your boy Payday. What's up? And Jathan is not joining us tonight. He had a How previous engagement. Right. So he's unavailable. But he will be recording his 15 claims, because of course he will, and sending it to us and we'll be splicing it up. Actually, it'll I think it'll go right off to our editor with the Raws. He, he said he's doing it either tonight or tomorrow, so Nice. And I'm usually a slow cover when it comes to getting the Raws to the end. So Yeah, you are. Slow poke. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, so tonight we're going to be talking about Advanced Firewalling. It's a whole episode full of Firewalling. I don't know what Jathan's 15 Clams is going to be about, because we never do until he does it. That's yeah, part of the magic? Of a... Question mark? I don't know that that's <laughs> magic, necessarily. <laughs> it's some kind of magic. It's something, that's for sure. Yeah, so... I don't know what he'll be talking about. Hopefully it's firewalls, because then we'll have a consistent theme throughout the, the whole time. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's what we're going to focus on. I'm going to say it now, because it's guaranteed to be it. It's going to be a short show. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm Why? Flying Why in the face of the jinx. Why because... do you do this every time you say No, 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 it no, 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 no. Not every long. time. I said it last time during the second recording, and it was short. Well, and now we'd already cover everything that we knew we were going to say. Well, right. But also, I think this is going to be short because it's just one topic during the, the segment. Sure. So. We'll see. I feel it in my bones. Just going to point it out now that if it's longer than 45 minutes... It's, it's my fault. It's, I will take full responsibility for that. Good. As you should. Although, really, we should be shooting for an hour, I think. Yeah. Why not? But 45 minutes is a very short episode for us. Because we only record every other week. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So... What By are you way, drinking? Yes. Clams malt, Maloney, where are you at, boy? Yeah, we were we were talking about we were talking about you in the pre-show because I mentioned clams and it just kind of devolved from there. Because you've got that wonderful review of us, by the way, on the iTunes. Oh, he's the one podcast. that did that. Yeah, Clams Maloney. Oh, awesome! Yeah, right. Seriously. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Very cool. Yeah, so swing on by the IRC. It's been a while. Yeah, man. So so yeah. I so what are you drinking? drinking yeah, yeah, I'm drinking Coors Light, and I also have quite a bit of Absolute left still. That's enough to get me pretty good. Not, you know, sauced necessarily, mm-hmm. but pretty good. Mm. What are you drinking? I'm drinking water, because I have a splitting headache. It's been one of those days. It's been one of those days. Yeah. I'm very familiar with those days, and they suck. Yeah. I hate them. Yep. So that's why I'm just drinking water. I'm at least going to try and rehydrate, because drinking will do the opposite of that. Good. Yeah, so I'm not drinking anything, and I haven't even picked up new beer and or liquor yet for a recording. So it works out, but in unfortunate circumstances. Plus, you're still waiting for the no the listener <laughs> no, to I'm, tell you what you should drink. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. You, not going to do not, it. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Thousand, thousand, points, thousand of points of light. <laughs> thousand points of light. All those people back there, thousand points of light. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Thun- Poor Jathan has no idea what that will be about. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Jathan, just, just even, look it up on YouTube. Was he even born? I don't think so. I don't think he was born when that was a thing. Dana Carvey. But maybe. George Bush. Yeah, Dana Carvey. Yeah, it's, look it's it up. It's wonderful. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We're not doing it justice here. I mean, really. No, not. we're not. Dana Carvey's, man, such a great George Bush senior. Yeah. Okay, so, Peyton, do yes. you want to get into your tip? Yes, I do. So I've got a, a healthy tip for you here. It's you know it's got a nice little nice little head on it there, mm-hmm. uh, as all my tips do. 
So tonight I'm talking about filter band custom rules. And I'm not gonna like go into the actual like a custom rule. I'm gonna talk about how to set up a custom rule, which I think is more beneficial than me just reading off a custom rule that I've written or I found. And mm-hmm. that way it's a little bit more you can personalize to your heart's content, so to speak. So basically, Feltaban, we'll go over that really, really fast. Feltaban is a service that you can use that fails to ban IP address. I mean, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's a service that's used to detect multiple attempts from IP addresses to find out if someone's trying to compromise your system, and then it, it will ban those IP addresses. The timing is set variably. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. So the key points here are max retry. That controls the max number of retries. So, you know, 5, 10, 100. How many you want to let an IP address try to compromise your system with? Find time. It specifies the time window in seconds for IP consideration. So if you have an IP address that's doing it every second, then you probably want to, you know, ban that versus mm-hmm. if it's somebody who's just trying to look every 10 minutes or so, you can probably ignore that too. I mean, both are whatever, but we'll get to that. Ban time specifies the time in seconds for the IP will be banned. Now, a negative one is a permanent ban. I prefer a permanent ban. It's obviously reset when you reboot your system, which you can set up a SQLite, but we'll get that in a few minutes. Log path is going to be the path to the monitored log. This is set correctly. You have to set this correctly or filter that will not work. So this is basically if you want it to monitor a certain log and then ban on that, then you can hit that setup. You don't need to do that, but you can. It's better to drop packets instead of rejecting them. Other key points are filters. This is specifies the text pattern. Actions are the things that filterman can do. Jails are tails uh, tails filter band to match a filter on the log file. And if a match goes beyond that, filter band will take the action in the jail. So that's going to be a drop, a deny, a reject, etc. You shouldn't edit .conf files. Instead, edit create and edit the .local. That way you're keeping the .conf as they are and then creating mm-hmm. your own .local jails. Just a quick jump in. The reason yes. for that, it, and it's even in the, you know, the fail to ban documentation is typically the .conf mm-hmm. is expected to be unchanged from the right. distro provided version. So they typically don't even right. mark that in their package manager as something that can be edited by the user or would be edited by the user. Right. So right. definitely, yeah, right. stick to those .local includes. Yeah, definitely, definitely do that. It's, it's just a smart way of doing it. Now, if you have ever edited fail to ban and forgot to put your own IP address in here, you can definitely lock yourself out. That's the ignore IP. So you want to put your IP address in there. And also I would suggest including um, your your home, your 127.0.0. Uh, oh, localhost. Yeah, yeah, localhost. Yeah. I said home. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> like I said, I prefer ban time equals negative one. That's a permanent ban. If you use the IP tables IP set ban, then you're going to do an eight equals zero. That's what's a permanent ban. Your filter name will go in brackets, so like Apache-Custom or SSHD, and then it's really just filling out the max retries, the found times, the ban times, you know, what mm-hmm. you want to reject, if you want to drop it, or what have you. If you want to, you can use the SQLite database, which comes in versions 0.9 or higher. I think, you know, I that's something that is useful, but... Like, if you restart, it will go through and reban everything you find in the database. However, that increases the stop-start time of filter ban, so it can take mm-hmm. a few minutes for it to come back up. But it does reban them on start, so you don't have to worry about trying to, you know, ban an address that maybe slipped through or what have you. Right, right. And that's paid with a tip. Great. I'm fully engorged. We're going to have a full Monty now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so closely tying in with that, we had a different topic planned for tonight, but we had to 
postpone it for the next episode because well number one we were supposed to have a guest on tonight but all of us forgot including the guest so that is rescheduled but the guest will be on eventually oh who's the guest is it somebody i know yes oh okay we've talked about it yeah okay that was going to be tonight but we all forgot we all forgot yeah wow way to go (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's i have it in my calendar now for the new date so we're good but we were also going to talk about i'm not gonna mention the topic because i want it to be a surprise for next episode but it's a mm-hmm. really good topic. It's relevant, but it's something Jathan has some experience in, especially with one particular component of it. And he was uh, going to be talking about that. But obviously he can't join us tonight, so we decided to just move that topic on. So at the last second, and by the last second, I mean with like four hours to spare. <laughs> I thought, you know, what what could we talk about instead? And I thought, you know, advanced firewalling, because we've touched upon the basics and we've talked about different ways of managing firewalls, like UFW right. and Shorewall and things like that. But we haven't really gotten to all the kind of crazy stuff you can do with firewalls. Or more to the point, how to make your firewalling easier and more maintainable, which yeah. is going to be a, a high focus of this more than anything. So I don't know how much firewalling people do. And keep in mind, you know, if you use an NF tables or an IP tables or whatever front end like UFW or Shorewall or so on and so forth or Firewall D, I guess. If you use one of those, some of these, if not all of them, might be unavailable to you. You know, they're they're typically more geared and accessible towards the IP tables rule. Yeah. The tool, rather. Right. So do keep that in mind as we go through these. I wanted to start with something you actually briefly touched upon in your yes. in your tip. IP set. Do you know what IP set is? IP tables. And you know what? I guess I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. So it's, I forget which kernel version they added it in. I want to say somewhere in the three branch, the 3.x branch, maybe okay. earlier, maybe 2.6. They added a component to the kernel that can dynamically read tables of IP addresses, which is different from IP tables, you know, despite oh, okay. the name. Yeah. And you can sort of have a dynamically created firewall where you don't have to, for instance, restart IP table service. And really, really all that does is just clear the tables and add the rules again you can just set okay in this ip set named and then you give the name of the particular ip set do that with this so if you have a huge list of ip addresses and you wanted to deny or drop all of them you can maintain that with ip set really and it's it makes your rules file so much more clean because you you only have one line for this right instead of right i don't know let's say 500 ips instead of 500 separate lines you just have one thing and it has an API. Even uh, Python's PyRoute 2, you can access IP set rules. Yeah. And like I said, it's dynamic. That's the coolest part of this. That you can cool. add and remove IP addresses, entire CIDR networks. It'll let you condense down IP addresses into a single. It's smart in that sense where it'll try and minimize the amount of rules that the kernel has to keep in memory for uh, IP tables. Yeah. So it's a lot more efficient as well. Wow. A lot of cool stuff you can do with it. You can have it apply to certain host masks, or MAC addresses, rather. A lot of, a lot of really cool stuff. I'll link to some of the documentation, of course, but, yeah, if you're not using IPset and you find yourself, like, doing things like blocking entire countries, or... Which I do, but, you know... I... Yep, yep. Or... China. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, right. China listeners. I don't care. Or... <laughs> I mean, we're... I don't block China, but I doubt they can get through their firewall to get to our site anyways. So Sure. Or things like, you know, changing firewall rules very often, or rather the contents of those rules. You know, it's not so great for things if, like, I want to 
switch this drop list to an accept list. You know, right. that would require an IP tables restart or that's pretty cool. Flush and re-add. But yeah. yeah, it's super, super cool. I just learned about it last year, of all things, and it's changed my life. It's fantastic. It's great. Sounds like it. And it, yeah, and it doesn't I think you can even add like with system D, I think you can add certain system capabilities so you can only so you can have like a user that can only add or remove entries from IP set, but they can't restart IP tables. Yeah. So it's great for like locking things down as well. A lot of really cool stuff with it. That's really freaking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely to, check it out. I'll have to look into doing that then. Because uh, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just kind of do and then whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at that and see if I can do that. Right. So when did you find out about this? Well, I can't. I can't go into the details as to how I found uh, out about I, it. I said when. Right, I know, I know. I, but typically I would include the how. When I oh, about yeah, this. sure. Yeah, I would say maybe a quarter into last year. So some okay. March, April. Uh-huh. It's still pretty new to me, but mm-hmm. I'm seeing potential uses for it all the time now. It's like sure. one of those things where once you know something, you're like, oh, this thing would be so much easier now that I know this. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Jathan also... He is with us in spirit in that he wanted to make sure I mentioned a couple different things as a component of firewalling and advanced firewalling specifically. As a sort of general topic, you have something called policies. And if you've ever looking, it, looking, wow, looking, it's not a word. That's like calculating <laughs> right there. I'll tell you that's what. yeah, that's that's not a good one. If you've ever looked at the IP tables static rules on your system, wherever they may be, in CentOS yeah. and RHEL, for instance, their Etsy config IP tables and Etsy config IP6 tables for IPv6, of course. You'll see... Of course. Right. You'll see, typically, a default policy next yeah. to the chain name. So you'd have, like, an inbound and then, like, a uh, drop, for instance, in which case you would, by default, drop all traffic inbound, which is what you want. That's a good rule. <laughs> sure. Keep that. But the... More, I guess you can have a lot more power once you start doing things with like natting. So you can have a default policy of drop for nat, meaning you have okay. a let's say you set up like a, a Linux DHCP slash nat slash gateway whatever server, right? Right. It's basically just bridged to your modem, which is how I do it in my lab. Mm-hmm. And as a result, that handles all of your port forwarding, which is what nat is, right? Nat right. is there's SNAT and DNAT. I'm not going to get too much into the the difference there. One NAT's based on the source address, one's based one NAT's based on the destination address. That's really all you need to know about that. Right, right. Ninety percent of NATing is, is DNAT. If not more. Like maybe like ninety eight percent of all NAT rules out there are probably DNAT. But anyways. Anyways. Right. So as a result, you can do port forwarding and explicitly drop all other traffic mm-hmm. for these port forwarding. Which you should be doing, anyways, I guess. But right. otherwise, you can get things like Martian packets and all sorts of nasty network stuff. Did you say Martian packets? Yes. You've talked about yeah, this look before. At... I've, Probably. I've, you've talked Maybe. about that before. Martian yeah, Mar- there's, oh, there's, there's a lot of weird names in that yeah, yeah. Martian packets, Smurf packets. Right. Yeah. They went hog wild with the naming, but... You know, I feel of like course. network engineers in general are more fun than system engineers. And I say that as a system engineer before anybody gets up my ass about that. But you're a network guy. No, well, I do networking in the sense that I design VPN servers right. and proxy servers right. and so on and so forth, you know. Right. So I do it and I do a lot of networking stuff as a result of that role. But I, sure. I wouldn't call myself a network engineer by any okay. means. That's fine. Yeah, I'm definitely more of a systems engineer. I just felt like giving you, you know, grief about it. 
Right. Yeah. No. I. I mean. I. I don't think I've ever touched a uh, a Cisco switch or uh, anything like that. So. Why would you want to? Well, yeah, but you know, but I know my stuff relatively. Mm-hmm. You know, for ninety like, percent right, right. of what I need to do, I know my stuff, and that's it. I don't do any internet routing myself, so I don't need to worry about it. But that's good. Yeah, but it's a very complex topic in in general, I, and I admire network engineers, and they're pretty interesting people. I don't. Uh, I found... At least my IP are not. Well, oh my gosh. Anyways, so policies are are incredibly important because along with this sort of default behavior, you can do things with, you can map out how certain zones are supposed to interact with others. You know, you can have only inbound from the LAN to the DMZ. And then the DMZ for the WAN would be inbound, inbound and outbound. Right. Right, right. That is a policy. That is a, a comprehensive policy. And then on top of policies, you add rules, which are exceptions to the policy. But now, could you set a policy up to kick Jathan every six and a half hours? Well, well uh, that wouldn't his, be his Mac, his Mac address. Well, or no, because I don't, address? I don't have his, uh, it would have to be IP address because Mac addresses are only really accessible. Sure. Unless you're using IPv6. I, I was referring only to, accessible like if you're on a, a local land. network with them, you know. Yeah. Okay. It wouldn't be a policy. It would be a rule. Because rules okay. also extend to things like rate limiting. I like rules. And things like that. Yeah. Most of us do. That's why we're in this job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So he also wanted me to explicitly mention outbound rules. And this is something so many of us forget to do. And I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, I'm guilty of it. It's really important to look at your outbound rules and implement them really because nobody nobody's doing it you know and it will save your ass so many times if you're hit with malware you know yeah it'll prevent it from spreading to other targets or a botnet or whatever yeah it'll but a lot of people don't think about outbound yep. like, like you said i mean like outbound mm-hmm. is one of those things that you know ah, oh, we're fine and, and in reality i mean a lot of stuff yeah. happens that yeah. you're like oh, well we had no idea it's well, if you had actually prepared for it, you you, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in, you know. Like, mm-hmm. what's uh, there was a uh, well, obviously ransomware requires outbound access, but there was a malware that the guy actually, uh, well, malware bites the guy. He actually yeah. s- sniffed the server, found out where it was going, and changed it, and like saved the day or whatever. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, he changed the. Uh, he, I think it was hitting an expired domain, and he right. bought the domain and basically right. just sent it into a. I think it was a, a black hole. So a DNS black hole is just basically setting a record to like 127.0.0.1 or some other nonsensical address. Right, right. Right. So I guess I'm just trying to latch on to your statement of, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a firewall incoming, but you also need to, you know, inspect packets going out and even like limit right. sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Or not even limit, leaving. like flat out restrict. Yeah. If you're, okay, sure, for sure. instance, sure. corporate firewalls are a great example for this. Yeah. If you have employees who only need to hit like one or two or or maybe a certain subnet of remote servers outside of your site, you'll definitely want to implement outbound for that. Because otherwise, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that right there is a really easy way to block Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all this other nonsense. If you're at work, you don't need to be on those things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Not that I am at work. <laughs> right. But it also does things like preventing outbound VPN connections. Mm-hmm. Because you're at that point you're whitelisting specific targets outbound, you know. 
Right. You're blocking everything except these specific IPs. And you can even do it cross VLAN, which I'll maybe talk a little bit about later in the show, maybe in about 10 minutes or so. Okay. Yeah, so outbound rules are incredibly important and nobody implements them. And we really should be because they will they'll save your your job, you know? Potentially, yeah. I mean, but well, yeah, yeah, very it's a potential kind of thing and it's a little bit different with me cuz I'm you know, I, I work with the, the services that are supposed to be accessible to unknown IP addresses and yes. access unknown IP addresses simply by the nature of what we do. You know, we're an anonymous VPN provider. Of course we have to do that. But You're anonymous? What? No, not I, capital I, A anonymous. I know. But anonymized. How about that? Right, right. Is that better? I know. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I was just... Amazed. Okay. Right. Yeah, so it's not always applicable because right. you can't always predict the type of traffic or where the tra- what target for that traffic is valid but if you can absolutely implement it absolutely do that because that is it's, it's such a beneficial thing to do i mean it can even potentially save you from some lawsuits if you're infected by like a botnet and and are used as a you know as a, as a as part of a uh, an attack it can mitigate that so keep that in mind definitely something very good you want to implement it does take a lot more maintenance and it does take a lot more time to set up because you need to get a list of literally every remote resource that you would need access to yeah and keep it updated well so there's going to be some scripting involved i think something like this you know security especially firewalls you can't just kind of half-ass it you can't say oh yeah we'll just allow this and you know, and just go, I mean, you're going to have problems. You're going to run into a situation where something's allowed that shouldn't be, or mm-hmm. people have access to something they shouldn't have, or, right. you know, whatever. So Right. Yeah, so it, it does take some time to do right, but it's worth doing right. It's very worth doing right. And again, IPsec can help with this. You know, if you, for instance, if you have people who need to access a certain website, you're going to want to run a script from Cron or whatever, or maybe on demand, what have you, that will resolve the domain, the DNS record of that website, and then add that to IP set. And hmm. then you obviously would have that as its own IP set section, probably named after the website, you know? Sure. Because then you can say, all right, flush this entire IP set for this name out. Just clear it out. Here are the new IPs. Don't let anything else out for this zone or this particular rule. Very useful stuff there. IP set plus outbound rules, total win. It's a lot of power in your hands right there, so definitely take leverage of it. Moving on, though, because I think I've talked outbound rules to death, because they're a simple concept, but, you know, nobody does them, so we need to I mean, even I can grasp the concept of an outbound rule, so (laughs) if I can, (laughs) you can. The name is pretty self-explanatory, admittedly. Actually, outbound rules handles incoming, and incoming rules handles outcoming. No, no, that is that is not true at all. Don't, it's totally true. Don't listen to listen, that. Don't lie to no, people. Okay. You no. Have to tell the no, truth. You're no. you're on the internet, and everything. On the the only is way, Peyton. The only way that is true <laughs> is if you mean outbound rules on the client mean are handling incoming traffic for the server for the target. That's literally the only way that possibly makes sense. So I was right. No. To an extent. The. <laughs> Okay, if 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 it's a straight line from A to B, you you left A, you went in a circle, you went straight down, you took a, a hard right, and you I took still, another and left. I still somehow ended up at the objective that we were going to. You are you're on your way there. I'll put it that way. 
You're taking a very circuitous route there. But it works. How about that? It works for me, okay? I feel like it would be easier to just remember that incoming rules are, in, are for it, it, incoming exactly, traffic. Exactly, exactly. Okay, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> My gosh. So an example, an example of outbound <laughs> rules is for sysadministrivia, we have a VPN. And that's so we can, we you know, lock down a lot of our resources. Like like our scratch pad, for instance. And you have to no, be on really the VPN. Don't see that. Yeah, it, it's ugly. It's it's a media wiki and so mm. it's gross. And there's a reason it has scratch in the name, is it's it's just ugh. It's scratchy. It's a mess. But it needs to be cleaned up. But whatever. I mean it does the job. It does it does it very well, by the way. So It does okay. But there hasn't been anything better that we can use. Right, to, right, right, right. <laughs> to do it. Yeah, but moving on. So an example of this is the scratch pad. Now, the scratch pad is at a certain IP. And the staff VPN is at a different IP. So what I can do, because I don't want JSON. Frankly, I don't trust JSON and Peyton farther than I can throw either of them. Thank you. <laughs> but that's by nature. We're, we're supposed to be that distrustful. It's, we're it's part of our personality. Right. Exactly. Right. It, it pays to be paranoid in our job. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't know if one of you is going to get comped or not, you know? So I don't want them tunneling all traffic over the over the system industry via VPN because that would also affect some performance of some other things I have running on that box, anyways. And, and you really don't want to see me watching tentacle hente porn either. I right, yeah, I don't. Not I that don't I watch that. that, mind you. What? But I, <laughs> I don't need to see that in my TCP dumps. R- right, exactly. So as a result, I said, okay, block all traffic that is coming from this from the vpn subnet Mm -hmm. and leaving this interface except for this target ip and that target ip is where the scratch wiki is and doing this i can make sure that they can only access certain resources for system administrivia and not route all of their traffic over it it'll just drop the packets and if you're in a corporate environment and you're running a corporate vpn and you maybe are a telecommuting company there are, are two ways you can implement this one is to just push routes for resources you need, which I recommend doing anyways. I mean, you really should. Mm-hmm. Right. Because otherwise that's going to break stuff with the firewalling part. But yeah, only push routes for servers that you want them to access. Don't push a default route. That's stupid. That's what VPN providers do. That's what VPN providers are for. You're not a VPN provider. You're a you're providing a VPN for staff and employees. Correct. So don't do that. You know, so that being said, you also want to implement this rule so you can ensure that they do not simply just add a default route on the client, which you can totally do, and route all of their traffic, ignoring the ro- the routes that are pushed by the VPN itself. Right. It's stupid easy to do. You can do it in Windows, you can do it in Mac, you can do it in Linux, do it in BSD. You can probably do it in Android. You can do it anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's really easy to just add to change where your default route points to. And boom, all of a sudden you've gone from a limited VPN to a full VPN gateway to the internet. And that's not something you want to happen. So, you know, again, push default routes, or push specific routes, mm-hmm. selective routing, I like to call it, selective routing VPNs. Sure. And also implement your firewall in such a way that you're whitelisting the same IPs. IPsec can also be super helpful with this. If you just maintain one list somewhere, even in your VPN config, and you can have a I don't know, a Python script that parses that config, pulls those VPNs out, and adds it to an IP set. Super easy to do. And that way you only need to worry about one source of data, one source of, of server IPs to manage. Right. So anyways, so implement this outbound filtering, these outbound rules. Not just for the servers themselves, but for the VPN, excuse me, but for your VPN networks too. Yeah. You don't 
otherwise there's no way to enforce that they're only using the VPN for businesses purposes is the, the bottom line here. Because otherwise that's bandwidth you're paying for. That's liability for your company if they do something perhaps illegitimate on that VPN. How dare they? Right. Right. Not illegitimate, explicit or illegal. But that's what I'm going for. Have you by the way, not to go off on a tangent or whatever, but have you mm. have you seen I read somewhere that that porn makes up a surprising amount of browsing habits at work. I haven't seen the report, but I am not surprised by it at all. Like, yeah, yeah, guys. By the I'm way, not, don't do that. <laughs> like, I, I, I know that I'm, I, I don't have a source for it. And I, I'm thinking about it. Uh-huh. I saw, I read somewhere that said that it was like, it was the staggering number of people mm-hmm. who are searching for and looking at porn at work, and it's like. First of all, what the hell, man? We don't want to see you jacking off. Of yeah. Okay, number two, take that shit home, man. You know? Come on. Also, like, not many people realize, yeah, the network admins can totally see what you're doing, by the way. Right. You know? Like, right. Th- th- you're not... The only reason you haven't been caught is because nobody cares. Did I ever tell you that I worked... Or nobody's actually checking. I what? worked at a job where the guy, the boss, told me, I want you to install software that I can see what people are doing on their computers. Uh-huh. And I said, even like banking stuff? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I said, I can't do Wait, that. Sorry. For employees? For employees, yeah. For company machines? Yes. I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, as long as as long as it was like the CEO or something, right? Not it was, like... Well, it was the owner of the company, and it was a really okay. shady company anyway. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he hired a guy to be the president, so he didn't have to be the president. And then I, it was... Anyway... If it had been a more ethical company, I probably would have researched it and done it. But the fact that he was as shady as he was, like, hey, guys, I can't pay you this week, but I'll pay you double next mm. week. You know, like that, well, kind, of, that kind of bullshit. I wasn't going to go, you know, anyway, sorry. Yeah. To go on a no, I, uh, it's all right. I'm actually totally OK with that in business environments. Well, because that's yeah. For like you should go in expecting. Right, yeah, exactly. you should go in expecting yeah. they can see everything you do. Right. That's right. number one baseline. Right. right? Exactly. So you shouldn't be on your Tinder uh, profile, you know, at work. Assuming you're using Works Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, sure. Right. Because otherwise, well, I mean, otherwise it's just an, a bad, you're just a bad worker otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but when you use, yeah, if you're using like 3G or LTE or something. Yeah, Nobody uses just 3G makes you... anymore. It's 4G or 5G. Come on, man. Get with the business here. I, well, depends on, depends <laughs> on the region. <laughs> that's true. Actually, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. But like, unless you're on your actual phone carriers internet yeah if you're using your works internet they can still see what you're doing even if it's not your work computer like i keep that in mind well where i work they actually intercept the i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this the um tcltc what am i thinking up here i'm drawing blank well what what does it do yeah, it's the certs, you know, the, the, the TLS certs. They, they intercept TLS, the TLS certs yeah. and substitute their own. Correct. And so if, like, something you're operating has, like, a really heavy TLS, like, this can't change, and it does because mm-hmm. they're snooping it, then, like, you get failed to connect or whatever. Like, it's... Well, even then... It's fucky, man. I'll I mean, DNS queries are in the in the clear. It's really easy to read those from a packet dump. So sure, sure, sure. They're still going to see, like... You hitting Tinder CDN and stuff. Well, I don't go to. So, I don't go on Tinder, but sure. I, I, as an example, sure, right, it was the example you provided. So, sure, sure, yeah. So do keep that in mind. I, I mean, it's, it's we, we have it's gotten grinder way off track. for taters. <laughs> oh my gosh! Stop taters. He doesn't even listen. We've so gotten it's kind of a wasted. Super off track. Yeah, yes, yeah. He, he, yes, let's get back. So, like I said, you know, I implement outbound rules for restricting access for the system minister of a VPN. And I encourage you to do the same for corporate environments. If we do Next, it, you should do it. Yeah. Well, right. 
If right, we don't because, do it, you can still do it if you want to, but... Well, it depends what the thing is. Sometimes we don't do things for very good reasons. <laughs> we are definitely not on Grinder at work, that's for sure. Well, I'm not on Grinder at all, actually, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I have no desire to be on Grinder, Peyton. I don't... <laughs> oh my god. Moving on. So, rate limiting. Rate limiting is another... Come on, pull yourself together. I'm sorry, We're I, I have to get that a little bit here, you know? I, you're kind of mm-hmm. missing all. I need the, the uncontrollable laughter, you know, the stupid jokes. I don't miss getting off topic. <laughs> it's all right. It'll be okay. It'll be fine. It was a little okay. bit of banter. People love banter. Right. Right. Sure. So, again, rate limiting is another key component in firewalling that people just totally miss out on. If you're using something like Sherwall, it's super easy, but IP tables can do it as well. It's just a little bit more complicated. Now, let me ask you this. What's your rate limit yeah. like uh, for incoming connections? If there's, if there's someone who's hitting a lot, what do you try to look at? It depends on the protocol. Okay, like so, someone's at SSH. Like, how fast are you going to rate limit that? So on on servers or that I have open SSH, SSH for yeah. because I'll have unexpected client IP addresses, I think it's five requests a second. Okay, let me ask you this: How is that a, a, a frequent number of hits? What do you mean? If someone is hitting your server five requests a second, is that a lot mm-hmm. to you, or is that just like a number you came up with? I, well, being that these are typically servers that only I would be SSHing into. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty safe number. Sure, sure, sure. It's pretty aggressive. Well, it's conservative for one person, but it's pretty aggressive for a general service. Now, if you've got some, if you've got like, yeah, that's that's what I was trying to figure out is is where let's, are you? Uh, let's th- well, let's think of a, a fun example. On the, on the skip back let's, there, you know. Let's use a fun example. Do you okay. remember Blinkinlights.nl? I, I think it I was? do. Yes. Cal? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's still up, by the way. I believe it is. I thought I, it went I down. Think so. Great. You basically tell that in. And it, it gives you a little ASCII movie of Star Wars, like the first 15 minutes of Star Wars. I mean, it's condensed, obviously, sure. to like two minutes. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. So that's a great example for this, right? It's a public service. It's a publicly accessible thing running on a public port. And at the same time, you don't want people DOSing it. Right. So what you Which do DOS is, is you set a distribution distri- denial, distributed it, denial, of denial of service. No, no, that's a DDoS. Oh, okay. It's sorry. I'm talking about straight DOSs because oh, it's typically DOS. from like one or a couple right, computers. Right, 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 right. right. I'm sorry. Yeah, distributed is like hundreds or thousands of. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's typically a bot botnet. Tal.blinkinlights.net.nl. So, there you go. Works. Awesome. We'll link to it in the wiki, and you know, obviously, give you the the Linux command and Windows command that you can just pop right into your into your shell and view it it's really cool so anyways the um where's it going right so right it's it's telnet right so to prevent a dos Mm -hmm. you would rate limit per connection per ip i should say per client ip and you would say maybe if it's a corporate environment and for some reason they decide to celebrate may the 4th by hitting up tal.blinkinlights.nl, and it's a huge company, like 500 computers, you're going to have 500 incoming connections from the same IP. Right. Which is a lot of traffic. But more specifically, it's a lot of new connections. Sure. So for that, for something more public like that, now granted, that's a bit of a hyperbole. Usually the max I think I've seen for valid traffic is about 30 to 50 per win client IP, for publicly routable client IP. Sure. So that's a much safer estimate. And that's a good mix of being aggressive enough to thwart people who are trying to slam it. But also, it's conservative enough to allow weird situations to still still achieve success in, in their connecting. So, yeah. So balance it out. 
think about your service, think about how many people would be hitting it from their IPs. It's a very contextual thing. Right. So you really need to take that into consideration. But it's also a very useful tool because it's it's like magic brute forcing protection, really. Right. You know, if you're worried about some brute forcing a form, it takes a hell of a lot longer to brute force a website login, for instance, if they can only connect to it, you know, three times every second mm-hmm. or even ten, even like a hundred times a second. Like most attempts are going to, assuming it's per IP, like most attempts are going to be slamming it open with, with multiple concurrent connections from the same IP. Right. So right, right. this will help that be thwarted. It'll help prevent that. That's cool. Okay. okay. All right. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so sense. that's so that's rate limiting, and I'll link to some documentation so you can read a little bit read a little bit more about how to do it with IP tables. Nginx, by the way, has that built in as well. But I would maybe stick to IP tables because it's it's just going to be less system load if you can block it at the at the firewall level at the network level. Yeah. Right. And now this is the thing I hinted at earlier: VLANs. So VLANs are, I would say, more of a routing thing than a firewall thing in and of themselves, but they do something really cool because since they're on different subnets, different CIDR masks, right. you can apply different firewall rules to them. So you can have a VLAN for, say, the billing department, and they should be able to access this server, but the people in, I don't know, quality assurance should not be able to. Right. You would have different VLANs, yeah. and then you could say, all right, for this entire VLAN network, allow access to the server. It simplifies your rules so much because no longer do you have to go through and say, uh, what's your, you know, what's your workstation's IP or look it up in your asset tag or asset management system, whatever. And then whitelist that specific IP. You can just whitelist the entire VLAN. Now, this does have some issues because that means anybody who plugs into that Ethernet or anybody who connects to that wireless, whatever. I hope you're using Ethernet. I hope so, too. Anybody who connects to that VLAN will automatically have access to this server now i mean you know obviously you can you're also going to want to put like username and password authentication in front of it and all that or kerberos authentication or whatever you're going to have you're going to want to have an additional authentication but this is access this is not authentication it's not authorization it's access right it means they can just simply hit the server but that does weaken the security if they can hit it in the first place. It means they can start doing things like fuzzing the port and, and all sorts of messy stuff. So do keep that in mind, that you're now tying it to a physical location. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to, as always, pair that with other things as well. Sure. Okay. That is really... Oh, one other thing. The LART, the Linux Advanced Routing Tutorial, I think. Wait, wait, wait. On TL- a LART on TLDP. is a yes. loser attitude readjustment tool. Yeah, yeah, they named it specific. They gave the document the acronym specifically so they could use the same. <laughs> same uh, I reference. love it. I love it personally. Yeah, I love it's, it. great. it's great. It's great. I, I wish but it's I had also one in the office. But yeah, well, you can download the LART and have that. <laughs> I'll get on that. <laughs> right, but it, but this version of the LART is the Linux Advanced Routing Tutorial, right? Or toolkit or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's tutorial. It's on TLDP, which is the Linux documentation project. We'll link to it, obviously. As the name would imply, it mostly focuses on routing. But there is a lot of firewalling concepts in there because firewalling and routing are tied so closely together. So it's definitely worth a read. And uh, I feel like we should probably cover advanced routing in a different episode as well to tie into this. But that's, you know, that's for another time. This is definitely a very good document. If you run any Linux firewalls, any Linux network gateways, this is the thing to have. And that that even applies to things like OpenWRT. Or if you have your own 
DIY, you know, one U Linux router like I do. Very, very useful document. So and that in, is all in, I have. Yes. In Googling for Mart, I am coming across ls-lart, but not. <laughs> Do you want me to just send you a direct link to it? Sure. It's in the. I mean, it's in the scratch pad. But oh, is it? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the last bullet point. Oh, there it is. Yep. There you go. Linux advanced yeah, so, routing and traffic. And traffic. Oh, that makes so much more sense. It does. Yeah, because it covers. It, really does. it It does cover things like rate limiting, so that makes a lot more sense. It's not tutorial. It's traffic. Yeah, so very useful if you manage any kind of Linux firewall or Linux router. Yeah, so that's really all I had for this topic. It's a good Did topic. You... I yeah, thanks. Advanced firewalling is not something that I, I work with on a daily basis, and so for me, mm-hmm. this was this was more going to be like your show to, uh, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's it, it, the funny thing is, like, it's not even all that event. You can do some crazy stuff. Yeah. One it, time. It's cool. I mean, it's freaking wicked, dude. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's a really complex topic. I'm a huge fan of communication and networks in general. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a ham as well. So, you know, like, like you, being you, able to, like... You cut your chops and sip, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah listen. You're, you're going <laughs> to learn. You, need, you're you really need to know faster, your networks for You're not going to learn yeah. at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, SIP is I mean, I, very network dependent. Yeah. 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 It's where I, I found out that, you know, really, it doesn't matter if you drop packets. It's, it's whether, you know, you consistently, you know, keep the packets going. Right, right. So it's a good mantra. Say again. It's a good mantra yeah, to yeah. have. Yeah. So you know. Though you should also try to not drop back. Right. Too, I mean, because there's there's a threshold is, for that. It's bad. Yeah. But I would rather lose a packet that wasn't going to contain good audio, and then have the yeah. next one go through versus like you know TCP going. Uh, did I? Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you, you know? Right. So right. Right. So you know, I'm not an advanced following guy, but this is this was a. I felt like it was a really excellent way of at least introducing someone to the concepts of hey listen Mm -hmm. you don't have to follow this set of rules and and also by the way you should definitely you know have outbound filtering and you should you should check out you know rules and policies and and all this uh, really really cool stuff i i you know so you say you're of course you're a, a systems engineer and also sometimes a network guy i don't really get to deal with networks at work it's fine. Mm. I'd rather not because we have a very complicated <laughs> right. network as is. I believe I mean, it. We yeah. are we are super complicated. Well, you guys are huge, so it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, we're also also we are trying to increase security, and so you know. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, you're what you guys do. You are under a lot of different compliances. Right. So right. Right. That so that makes right. sense. So definitely makes sense. I have an IP address for my workstation at work, but whenever mm-hmm. I log into our our VPN, like I have to log into the VPN, I get a separate one that I can only connect to that in that point. And then also my laptop. I so like when I log in, I have two different v, two different IP addresses that I get versus what I initially had when I, you know, logged in or whatever. Just mm-hmm. Windows for my laptop. So like, you know, I, I get this idea of segregating and policies and rules. But it can mm-hmm. also be a kind of pain in the ass too. You know? Right. Yeah. For for the user experience it's definitely but I mean, that's kind of the general rule, and and like the the hip or cool or whatever you want to call it thing is to pretend that like oh you can totally you know increase security without affecting the user. No bullshit. That's that's bullshit. complete and utter crap. I'm gonna call bullshit. Yeah. I, I don't even care if that it makes me sound cantanker like a cantankerous old man. It's, but you it's, are, it's, it's so it's total fine. bullshit. I mean, I am, but I also right. I feel like you know my what 17 years of experience have led is me it, to that know that that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah, man. I, I mean, I started young. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good. I, I mean. But like what you're saying, you know, 
to have a secure environment, you need to have steps. To have a secure mm-hmm. environment, people need to make sure that they're doing the things they need to do. Something you know, something you have, and the I forget what the third one is, but it's you know like something you can copy or whatever. I, I forget what the third the third. There's three options: something you know, something you have, and something else. And I can't remember what it is. But you know, security is not always easy. And if you want to be secure, mm-hmm. you're not going to be easy. You know, like you can have thumb thumb. Yeah. You can do your thumb everywhere you want, but that can be compromised. Like you can do. Retinal scans. And once your thumbprint's comp- stolen. Right, exactly. Yeah. Your retinal you can't scans, change your thumbprint. Be, you know, right, exactly. Can't change your, can't right. change your retinal patterns. Yeah. I am a big a fan of... of RSA tokens and a password. Like, yeah, I think they're, I think the reason they're still around is they're yeah. really the best option we have. It's because it's right. something you know, something you have. And, yeah. and, and if you want to throw biometrics on top of that, you know, be my guest. Sure, but sure. Don't, absolutely. don't make it the primary point and don't make it the second factor. Right, 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 right. Right, right. Well, no. I, anyway, I was trying to keep it as related to networks as I possibly could and firewalling. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people sit there and they say, yeah, we have a firewall set up. Well, okay, what are your rules? <laughs> uh, well, we uh, have a firewall. We don't need... No, no, no. You need to go back and you look and make sure you have your rules set up and your policies, like you said. I mean, yeah. just enabling... Rules and policy auditing is right. so important. Having Just having it is a great first step. But that's it. It's a first mm-hmm. step. Like You need to go through... Mm-hmm. And figure out what IP addresses absolutely need to be able to connect to whatever to boil this all down a little bit more. I'd even say security is never done. There's always something you can do to improve it, right? Well, there's always somebody in some in some basement somewhere who's wanting to try to get access to your system. And so you may work nine to five, but you know But they don't Joe Blow Warlock <laughs> right. in, you know, the mother's <laughs> basement there is gonna be you know, trying from five to J O B L O underscore warlock sixty nine. XX. That's my new. That's my new IRC handle. <laughs> that's your new handle. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> it might be too long. It might be too long. But yeah, no, exactly. There's always someone out there who would benefit from gaining access. It, they may not know about you, but I, like, is that real? That's not a security measure. That's just you. That's just literally. It's just literally a wish that they never find you. There's always going to be at least one attacker out there that will benefit from check, the information and data check you IRC have. Right now. <laughs> Did you? Oh my gosh! No. Oh, there's no underscore, though. Oh, shit. Joe Blow and 1W. Joe Blow underscore Joe Warlock 69 Blow. XX. Oh, shit. I gotta figure out how to do a... So this Ergonox, like, I'm sitting here working on it, but I can't figure out how to do a freaking underscore. Cause yeah, Jathan's been, or uh, Peyton's been having a, a dickens of a, of a time trying to trying to find a mechanical keyboard that he's comfortable with. Yeah, uh, so anyway, so I changed my nick to Joe Blow Warlock 69, like we were talking about, but... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I, it's funny. I it's hilarious. We'll see it. Oh, he, cha- he just changed it back. I, I'll, I'll, I'll get it changed and it'll be that way for a while. Yeah, and the funny part is, like, if anyone has Nick change alerts set in their client, they're going to see that in every channel you're on on that network. Which is fine. Yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. But, yeah, to close out the firewall thing, before we splice in Jathan's 15 clams, as a fun example of this, if any of the plug folks are listening, a long time ago, I want to say maybe 10 years ago or, or 8 years ago, summer, it's been a while since I even presented at, at Plug, let alone presented this. I think it was my first Plug talk. I set up a malicious AP. <laughs> it didn't do anything terribly bad, but it was fun bad, you know? And I used SNET rules, actually, to reflect all of the traffic, to redirect, I should say, all of the traffic hitting any website to a website I set up that has a bunch of GIFs of My Little Ponies 
and at the time, because browsers don't do this anymore, at the time it would play MIDI, a MIDI of Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle. It was a work of art. I have a mirror set up oh of that God, page that I redirected them that's to. That's hilarious. I'll put it in the show notes. That's great. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you after we're done recording if you want to see it. Yeah, early, absolutely. I still have a mirror of that site. Yeah. Fucking Lily. So good. So good. I bet it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's just hilarious, man. But that's one small example of just how powerful firewall rules alone can be. Yeah, right, exactly. I did all that with firewalling. That's all I did. You know, it's just a couple couple SNET rules, that's, and that's, that's it. That's fucking nuts, dude. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that's yeah. that's hilarious. And, and if you combine stuff, if you combine NAT rules with, like, I don't know, an on-premise HA proxy or squid or something, mm-hmm. you can do fun things like the upside-down internet. Oh, I've seen that. I don't know if I've you... seen that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, upside internet. That, that I is... love that. I have. Yeah. Love half that, of dude. that is the proxy using the script that inverts it, but the other half is the NAT rules to make it a transparent proxy. That's great. So they don't they don't know they're hitting it. That's fucking great. Yeah. All sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. So the upside down internet, and then I think your thing of having my play the My Little Pony stuff is, is pretty hilarious. I intentionally designed it to make look like it, make it look like a thirteen-year-old made a GeoCities <laughs> page. It's it's amazing. A thirteen-year-old girl, I should specify. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I should tell Jathan to set it to his hey, own page. Hey, for the record, everyone, I love Jathan like a like a son. I mean, I'd smother. Yeah, him no, like he's he was he's here. not here. We're ragging on him a little bit, but he's he's I a good kid. I love him like a son. Yeah, it's funny that we can only compliment him when he's not here. Right, right. No, no, I would never say it to his face, j <laughs> You suck. He's got to hear it, but... <laughs> but I would never say it to his he face. He listens anyways. Well, all right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. All right, so with that, we're going to... So we're going to... Clams. clams baloney time now. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna go to j now for his 15 clams. j If you have five clams, and then you, you multiply them by three, how many do you get? Take it away. Well... I know this is going to be a bit of an odd 15 clams, given that I wasn't around for the intro. So in case you're interested to know, late, but alas, I'm telling you, I am drinking an Alaskan Amber Ale. It is one of my favorite Amber Ales. This is not going to be a very long 15 clams. It's Friday for me. This is when I'm recording relative to everybody else. I've had a long day. I'm anticipating a very busy week next week. So... I thought, in the spirit of encouraging everybody to take some time and relax, that maybe we could do a dramatic man-page reading. So, today's reading... Give me a second, actually. I really need to I need to get in the zone a little bit here. Okay, all right. Today's reading will be about sleep. Sleep. Delay for a specified amount of time. It's pretty simple usage. And here's the description. Pause for number seconds. Suffix! Maybe S for seconds, the default, M for minutes, H for hours, or D for days. Number need not be an integer. Given two or more arguments, pause for the amount of time specified by the sum of their values, just in case you want to tell it to pause for 60 seconds plus 10 seconds. I have no idea why you would ever actually do that. It seems completely inane and useless. Oh, there's a note. Sleep is written by Jim Meyering and Paul Eggert. Thank you, Jim and Paul. You've made my bash scripting meaningful and for that we are forever and ever thankful anyway this has been another installation question mark of 15 clamps i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed this podcast i hope you enjoy me because i enjoy you 
This has been System Minus Trivia. I'm Brent. I'm Jathan. And I'm Peyton. Hit that button for subscribe and the bell and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like and subscribe and hit the bell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have none of the free, by the way. Please don't do those because we don't. I mean, we care, but we don't. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you're already subscribed to the thank you to the podcast. So, well, thank you. We appreciate it. All right, see you around. Bye. The horse gets stuck.